coming to you live from the basement of an abandoned house in the middle of a field. It's the Derek Izzy Show. First of all, I want to thank Moses Ronald for that amazing introduction. Moses, you do good work for us. Thank you. I realize Moses hasn't really been a part of the show much recently. We plan to involve him a little bit more in future episodes, seeing as how his interview is one of the lowest rated shows of all time. I've kind of left him out of the production a little bit, but you got to give the public what they want or what they don't want. One of the things that the public does want is Audible. Get your free trial, audibletrial.com slash Derek. This free trial with Audible will get you one free book download. You can listen to it on your cell phone, on your smart device, iPod, iPad, whatever you've got that can download audio files. You can get the free app, Audible, get your free trial, audibletrial.com slash Derek. Good for one free book download. Over 180,000 book titles. Something you got to have if you're driving in your car. It's a perfect way to pass the time. Listen to your favorite books that you don't have time to read on your own. You can listen to them on your smart device. And now, on to the topic of today's podcast. The character in today's podcast is a very well-known historical figure. What I'm going to do is give you some information that you didn't know about him and some information about where he came from that you probably didn't know either. We will trace his family history going back to 1602, the great-great-grandfather of today's podcast was an English reverend. His name was Lawrence. He was the fifth son of his father Lawrence of Salgrave Manor, Northamptonshire. Lawrence had seven brothers and nine sisters. Back then, a lot of the families were a lot bigger than they are now, so that was considered normal for back in the day. He was admitted to Brasenose College in Oxford in 1619, graduated with a Bachelor of Arts degree. Within a few days, he was elected a fellow of the college. In 1626, he got his master's degree and was appointed a university lector. He began his religious career under the Archbishop of Canterbury. He was kind of a pit bull in his position under the Archbishop of Canterbury. His purpose was to rid the university of its Puritan clergy. So he took a very aggressive stance. During the English Civil War, more than 100 English ministers were deprived of their livings for alleged treason or immorality by order of the Puritan Parliament. Because he was hired to rid the university of these Puritans, he fought a tidal wave of opposition. And in 1643, he was censored on trumped-up charges of being a common frequenter of alehouses. Because of these charges, he lost his benefits 
and was ejected. He took over as a rector of a small parish in Essex, England. It was there he stayed until his death. He died in poverty, leaving in a state of almost no value to his son. His son's name was John. John was born in 1633 in Purley, Essex, in England. When John was eight, his father enrolled him in Charterhouse School in London to begin preparing for an academic career. When the English Civil War broke out and his father was stripped of his clerical duties, John's career path changed. John found an apprenticeship with a London merchant through his sandy relatives, which provided a valuable education in colonial trade. So in 1656, he invested in a merchant ship engaged in transporting tobacco to European markets, and he left his home in Tring for the colony of Virginia. He was the ship's second officer. In 1657, the ship landed in the Potomac River. John decided to make Virginia his home. He stayed at the house of Colonel Nathaniel Pope, a plantation owner. During his stay, he fell in love with Pope's daughter, Anne. They ended up getting married. As a wedding gift, Anne's father gave them 700 acres on Maddox Creek in Westmoreland County. John became a successful planter. He depended on the labor of slaves and indentured servants to cultivate tobacco and kitchen crops. During his marriage to Anne, they had three children together. One of them was Lawrence. Lawrence is the grandfather of today's podcast. Now, a little fact to throw in here. John's wife, Anne, after she died, John married another Anne by a different last name. And then after she died, he married the original Anne's younger sister, Frances. Now, could you imagine if something like that happened today, he would be ostracized for it and probably given his own reality show and making millions of dollars off of it. John's eldest son, Lawrence, the grandfather of today's podcast, grew up to be a lawyer and a planter in Colonial Virginia. He traveled over to England to receive his education, and upon the death of his father John, he inherited two substantial estates on the Potomac River, Maddox Creek and Little Hunting Creek, which would eventually be renamed by his grandson, the topic of today's podcast. He really didn't grow the family's estate during his lifetime, but he had a great interest in politics and the law. In 1688, he married Mildred Warner. They had three children together, John, Augustine, and Mildred. Lawrence died at the age of 38, the same year his daughter was born. The son we're concerned about is his second son, Augustine. Augustine, also known as Gus, was born November 12th, 1694. He was the father of today's podcast. He was only four years old when his father died. He inherited about a thousand acres on Bridges Creek in Westmoreland County, and he inherited some slaves. When he came of age, he married Jane Butler. Jane was an orphan who had inherited some land from her father. They decided to settle on the Bridges Creek property. In 1718, he purchased land on Pope's Creek, abridging his property on Bridges Creek. 
They built a new house there with the help of slave labor and fine craftsmen. Later on in that same year, he purchased the Little Hunting Creek property from his sister Mildred. In addition to his work supervising overseers and slave labor as a tobacco planter, he also became a justice of the peace for the county court, and he served as county sheriff. He and his first wife Jane had three children, only two of whom lived to adulthood. After Jane's death in 1730, he married Mary Ball in 1731. With this second marriage, he had six children with Mary. Their first child is the topic of today's podcast. His name was George. When Augustine died at the age of 48, George was only 11 years old, so his mother Mary managed the property that he inherited until he became of age. She lived on this property until she was 64, and that's when George moved her to a house in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Some interesting facts about George. As a young man, he had red hair. Now, a popular myth was that he wore a wig because in all the pictures that you see him in, he always has white hair. When in fact, he did not actually wear a wig. Instead, he powdered his hair. As I mentioned before, he was one of six children. Three siblings died before adulthood. His sister Mildred died when she was about one. His half-brother Butler died in infancy. And his half-sister Jane died at age 12. George suffered from problems with his teeth throughout his life. He lost his first adult tooth when he was 22 and had only one tooth left by the time he became president. In case you have not figured it out yet, the topic of today's podcast is President George Washington. You all know that he had a lengthy military career serving his country in all aspects of the military, but he wasn't always successful. In 1758, he participated in the Forbes expedition to capture Fort Duquesne. He was actually embarrassed by a friendly fire episode in which his unit and another British unit thought the other was the French enemy and opened fire on each other. 14 were killed and 26 were wounded in the mishap. Perhaps the best known story, and the reason why we titled the podcast in the way that we did, is the story of the chopped down cherry tree. Legend has it that his father's favorite cherry tree was chopped down. When questioned about it, George said, I cannot tell a lie. That was his famous line. It was first reported by biographer Parson Weems, who, after Washington's death, interviewed people who knew him as a child over half a century earlier. The Weems text was very widely reprinted throughout the 19th century. Adults wanted children to learn moral lessons from history, especially as taught by example the lives of great national heroes like Washington. After 1890, however, historians insisted on scientific research methods to validate every statement, and there was no documentation that this ever actually happened. Josh Rodman, in 1904, noted that Weems plagiarized other Washington tales from published fiction set in England, but no one has found an alternative source 
for the cherry tree story as of yet. And now you know the rest of the story. Thank you for listening. This has been The Derek Izzy Show. Don't forget, tune in to next month's podcast. It'll be a good one. And in the meantime, visit audibletrial.com slash Derek. audibletrial.com slash Derek, 180,000 titles, and you get your free book download just by clicking on that link and signing up for one month. Before I close the show, I'll give you a little bit of an update. I like to look at the downloads of past episodes, and it looks like there is an episode that is gaining ground as far as the number of downloads. As you all know, the most downloaded episode of all time is the very first podcast about the Bender family. There is another podcast called Bloodbath that is making a surge, soon to be the second most downloaded podcast in my arsenal. So that blood and gore seems to be generating the most number of downloads. So if that's what you want, that is what you will get. If you have any show suggestions, please feel free to email me, Derek at DerekIzzy.com. And if it's good enough, we'll put it on the air. All right, have a good day. Don't forget to visit my website, DerekIzzy.com, and visit the sponsors. Thank you. 